Hello, and welcome to S1E19 of the Pretty Little Liars podcast on Time Travel Murder Mystery. With me is Marco Sparks. Hey, yo. And I am Benjamin Light, as you probably knew if you made it this far. We, this is the 19th episode, after all. Um, we'll, <laughs> we're discussing S1E19 of the show, A Person of Interest. It's the title oh. of this episode. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Settle down. <laughs> this is this is actually a great episode, though. In in my opinion, I don't know what you thought of it. Oh yes. Um. So let's let's jump right in. Uh. Let's just talk about the opening first, because you know a lot a lot of stuff going down there. It starts off with the uh, four girls. Uh, nice little quick cuts of them being interrogated in close ups by the police, giving us the recap of. There's like Allison. the new. There's like the new cop. I don't think he's been given a name, but like he's older. He's like more of a hard ass and like the dipshit that Wilden was. Um, yeah, he's not Wilden. He's basically like Robert Stack. Yeah. <laughs> the g- um, girls are all getting the third degree. Um, and like their answers keep seem to keep pointing back towards Spencer because she's been the one who's been like gathering the intel. You know, it's like it was her laptop that they got the video on. And she was the one that, uh, found out about Ian being at Hilton Head. Like, all, you know, it's like, she's been doing most of the investigative work, and so it doesn't look very good when they they tell the story, because it all just points to her, you know? My notes just say, everything is coming up Spencer in a bad way. (laughs) Yeah. But this is actually, like, this is a great example of writers, like, building on something that's been happening for many, many episodes in this Mm -hmm. first season. Like, uh... You would have never guessed. Like I, I'm flashing back to that scene where it's like Emily and uh, Spencer a couple episodes ago, and like they're sitting at the coffee shop in, in the morning, and like Spencer's on the phone talking to somebody while Emily's doing something or other. Mm-hmm. And, like you would have never guessed that that scene was building to this. Well, and it's it's fun because there's always been like a thread, at least in this first season, of like why don't they just go to the cops? You know, like that you're always wondering about that and it's like would 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 the information that you know somebody has on them prevent them from doing that and here you see well this is what happens when they do go to the cops you know is that they they are not believed exactly um spencer is talking to the cop and she says like you know she kind of lays out her case about how she thinks it's ian cuz ian was at hilton head with ally uh and he lied about it and he was in that video and uh he's the cop is like well I find it hard to believe that this guy, this upstanding citizen, he's like the, you know, uh, what is he, like a lacrosse coach or field hockey yeah. coach or whatever, uh, that this guy uh, is secretly a killer. Like, why would he be having an affair with a 15-year-old girl? And Spencer says, maybe he was into younger girls. And the cop's yeah. like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, quite a slip by Spencer. <laughs> yeah, a slip, and her mom's there with her, so... She doesn't want to to say like, well, he made out with me or whatever, you know. She does, like she doesn't want to turn that card over. Uh, and interestingly, they ask all the other girls about this. Those girls don't know about it, um, but they all lie for her anyway. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they do a pretty good job of keeping their stories straight. This isn't called pretty little honest bitches. Yeah, pretty little liars. Yeah, I'm going to talk real quick about Spencer's outfit for a moment. Sure. She is dressed up in this like sexy, silly military jacket. Like she's the Generalissimo of the People's Republic of Spencer. With like a a very deep like cut in the or not not a cut, but like a there are a lot of buttons unbuttoned there, you know. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so the interrogation is over. The four girls are released, and we find out that all the parents are there waiting to pick up the girls at the police station. And I just want to say that Ashley Marin is all sass. <laughs> like, she's like, what are the girls being charged with? Conspiracy to make an honest mistake? Which, again, there's that word. Honest mistake. Honest mistake, like fucking a cop because your daughter got caught shoplifting. I mean, gonna, never we're mind. Gonna come, we're going to come back to that in this episode alone. But yeah. yeah. Um, then there's a weirdest exchange ever where Arya says, whoever said the truth will set you free never met A. And Emily's <laughs> like, well, Jesus. And everyone's like, whoa, I'm getting a little sassy. And she's like, no, 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 guys. It was Jesus who said that in the Bible. And then you're all kind of thinking, like, don't be that girl. <laughs> First of all, you're a lesbian. Well, she she redeems herself a little by, I uh, I think it's her that says, you know, sometimes telling the truth is more harm than good. Say, who said Hannah. that? Is that Hannah? Okay. Yeah. Who said that? Allison. <laughs> yeah. and then of course we meet, Allison said that. Yeah. And then we meet Officer Garrett Reynolds. Officer Garrett Reynolds. I do want to mention... Um, the kind of it's interesting they're they're all like the the police response to this is they they think they're the girls are suspicious or that they're like the victim of a prank you know they're they're not taking the allegations seriously at all except then to say that like now spencer's on their radar you know right right like they're like ian he's like a total bro what are you talking about yeah uh but so officer garrett reynolds who is formerly the neighbor of some of these girls like he's you get the information he's only a few years older than them he's maybe melissa's age yeah um he's former neighbor neighbor of emily lived down the street and so the, the four liars know him mm-hmm. but he's going to be recruited by robert stack to help him get to the bottom of this mystery well i like the way he puts it he says the, the old cop is talking to garrett and he says what do you think They're, are they lying and he's like i don't know he's like well, I'm going to need you to find out why they are, you know, like basically like the, the old cop knows they're lying or he, he senses that they're lying and he doesn't, he needs to find out why. Yeah. Um, by the way, in, in case you were unclear, the reason they're at the police station is in the last episode, they took the, uh, the trophy with the blood on it to the cops and cause they thought it was, it was a fake trophy of Ian's. It wasn't real. They set them up. They took the trophy in. It wasn't real blood. And now, now the cops called him in to ask him just what the hell's going on. It was it was a bit jarring for me because um, showing you how the sausage made a little inside baseball here. Oh. We tend to record two episodes a week mm-hmm. of a Pretty Little Liars podcast, and so uh, ending on a juicy cliffhanger one week <laughs> before we record the next week's episode mm-hmm. is sometimes uh, you got to you got to flash back a little bit. What, what did just, I miss? Just imagine you were waiting, you know, months and months as you watch a show one episode at a time. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, now we'll talk about our, our four girls as we classically do. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that rewatching this episode, it was found fascinating because I always lay out my notes pretty simply, you know, whatever the opening is, then Aria, then Hannah, then Emily, then Spencer. Mm-hmm. This episode literally goes in reverse order in introducing all the girls. Yeah, yeah, it does. You get a Spencer scene. Then an Emily scene, then a Hannah scene, and then finally an Arya scene, which I think <laughs> Arya probably resented. Yeah. But uh, so we start off talking about the episode proper with what the fuck is Arya wearing? Well, that's what we all start off with. My but notes. Seriously, this is the strangest outfit she's ever put on. That's like a, like some black leggings and 
No, these are bell bottom pants. These are tight. Yeah, they they appear to like they. It's like they're leggings, but they flare out at the bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. and then she's got one of those like it's not really it's too short to be a dress, but it's one of those tops that has like a big V cut and like goes down below the waist. It's but then it's it's on top of like it's on top of a turtleneck. Yeah. Well, it's like a lacy turtleneck cut blouse, but like yeah, it's like it's like a tight maroon jacket except for around the waist it i don't even know it's what like b- so bizarre, we're men. Yeah. we don't have to describe women's fashion mm-hmm. i think how did you describe it like uh like power mom you know or some mom power suit but like, it's mom like a power 70s, suit yeah it's like a 70s mom sitcom sitcom outfit yeah yeah really it's like something it, mary tyler moore would wear plus aria already has basically 70s charles or uh charlie's angels hair her hair in this episode's a little weird too it's parted just a little off to one side and it's like long and big you know i mean she's almost got brunette farrah fawcett hair as it is mm-hmm. oh, but yeah it's, it's as to, to her scenes proper the first thing i have written down is just surprise jenna thing yeah, yeah so she Arya's like walking down the hallway in her time travel outfit here and she spies Ezra in the in his classroom through the doorway. She sneaks in, planning on doing or saying something cutesy. And then as he just kind of leans over the side, over her shoulder, Jenna she thing. spies yeah, the fucking Jenna thing. <laughs> and then immediately she gets a text from A, which alerts Ezra and the Jenna thing that she's there. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the text says, the lover and the scorn are now BFFs. Scared yet? You will be. <laughs> which, Arya? Arya? Step outside of yourself for a moment, and can we get A some motherfucking credit for her timing? A's pretty good. I mean, like, would you know? When I first watched this episode, when I first watched this episode, and and not to give anything away, but um, I was like, could Jenna have just done that? Like, like, does she have like, you know, obviously she can text without looking anyway because she's blind. You know, like, could she have like just done that like beneath the desk that she's sitting in or something like that? Because the timing is really good. Whoever A is, whether it's Arya or Jenna or even Ezra or somebody, I don't know, out in the hallway or whatever, mm-hmm. like, can we get A some motherfucking credit? Because that's amazing. Yeah. So Jenna gets up and leaves, and as she goes, she says, he's all yours, and walks yeah. out. Yeah. Jenna is submitting some short stories to a competition, and... Uh, this episode, this this whole Arya plotline can just be summed up summed up with Arya can't handle a snake in her Garden of Eden, you know. Mm-hmm. Jenna thing has decided to start fraternizing with Ezra, and Arya's losing her shit over it for basically the whole episode. Yeah, yeah. So Ezra just wants to wax on about uh, Jenna things like uh, story, and she wants to talk about their their lovey dovey night that she wants to cook. And he's busy with faculty meetings and give Jenna more notes. And then, so we find out that Jenna's story is about exposing people. The character is <laughs> blind. But she, she sees, sees things other to others don't, yeah. She sees more than the sighted people, which you can just tell Arya's face is just thinking, bitch. <laughs> well, also, also Arya says, when, when Ezra says that, like, oh, I was reading one of Jenna's short stories, it's really good. Like, first of all, like, how, how horrifying is it to Arya that Ezra likes Jenna's writing? Um, but but then oh, Arya says, I thought she was more of music was more her thing. You know, yeah. Arya's like, look, bitch, writing is my thing, not yeah. your thing. You stay in your lane. 
and we've seen that Arya is into music, but mm-hmm. she's she's sacrificed that because writing is her thing with Ezra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now she's just like, how dare you? Do you hear me? How dare you? Yeah, so Ezra starts asking Arya questions based on Jenna's story about what really happened with, you know, Jenna's life and her being blind and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Arya, as becomes the par with all the girls, especially in this episode, <laughs> she begins to lie in some of the most adorably obvious ways possible. <laughs> she lies without even thinking. There's, there's a lot of themes to the men in this episode and the show in general, but uh, in this episode, the first theme I want to point out to all the men is that they're incredibly oblivious mm-hmm. to the lies of these women. Well, in fairness, you probably wouldn't think that Arya had anything to do with Jenna's accident. So if you asked her just, you know, like, do you really think it was an accident? And Arya's like, yeah, sure. You know, like, you probably don't think she actually knows. Well, I imagine at this point, Ezra is so frustrated with trying to finally have but sex. With I've Arya. got some notes about Ezra later and what might be going through his mind, but we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, so, so Arya, the next time we see her, she's in the bathroom, and of course, she runs into Jenna thing there too. Well, no, hold on, hold on a minute. Oh, this this scene, I want to drench this scene in amber and preserve it for all the ages okay. because it starts out with Arya in the school bathroom, staring at herself in the mirror, like having a good long stare, and she's still wearing that outfit. Mm-hmm. The camera then pans down to her hands as she washes them. And then when it pans back up again, in a matter of seconds, mm. the Jenna thing is like standing right beside her. <laughs> right beside her. Like the whole scene is filmed. Those like are her is like, special blind people powers, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, like, like she's Batman. Like Arya in this scene is shot, or in this episode is shot like she's basically like in the medieval horror or something like that. You know what mm. I mean? Like she's like straight out of like a 70s ghost movie. And then they have one of the greatest conversations of this entire show. Very, very heavy with innuendo from Jenna Thing. It seems that Jenna Thing has cracked the code as to what's going on between Arya and Mr. Fitz. She's like, Jenna's like, oh, I feel like I can tell him anything. Oh, and he should add Orwell's 1984 to the reading list. Because you know, Big Brother's always watching you. To which Arya, with no hesitation, responds with, Mr. Fitz isn't seduced by controlling characters. Yeah. <laughs> to which Jenna's like, well, you would know. <laughs> Yeah, you know it better than I do. Yeah. But yeah, Jenna Think has this great way of talking. Like, every stupid thing out of her mouth is just so on the nose and pointed. She's, she really uses her blindness as like armor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in the glasses, you know, like, she's kind of free to say what others won't say, you know? Well, the beauty of that, that one shot in the classroom is that Ezra just kind of tilts his head to the side. And then we see Jenna think, but it's almost as if she's like staring right at Arya. Yeah. yeah it all feels like she's looking at you, you know? Yeah. Um, so later, Ezra comes home, uh, oh, back yeah. to his apartment, and Arya's <laughs> this, there. This is the scene in the line I want to talk about here for Arya. And, and Arya's dressed in a much more normal and much more purple dress. Uh, normal if you're like 25 and going to a cocktail party, maybe. I, I feel like in the oeuvre of Arya's wardrobe this makes much more sense than the thing she actually wore her, at school her look and like her setup with like the, the the dinner with the wine out and all that is like what you would expect like a newlywed wife to like have set up for her husband you know True. uh in the line she delivers she says welcome home honey um it's so cringy 
Because she actually, like, she drops her voice just a little to sound like, you know, kind of like sultry, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's it's so creepy to, like, see her, you know, even though Lucy, Lucy Hale, the actress, is older, like, you're just imagining, like, this 16-year-old girl, like, basically, like, playing the sex pot for this guy, very much pretending to try to be the adult. Like, in Arya's mind, she is that newlywed, you know, who's, like, yeah. in her early 20s welcoming her husband home from work. Yeah. And Astra's just love, like boner. But the problem is that, that all the interviews I imagine Lucy Hale entertains about Pretty Liars, none of them really get to what is it like to play this rather complicated, but also rather simple, skeezy relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, like uh, for what? a moment there, Ezra is just like full on, like literally, wow. But yeah. Arya's trying to get something going. But Ezra keeps deflating the mood because he won't stop talking about Jenna. Well, he's like, oh, what's this for? And he's like, she's like, I wanted to hear you say wow, you know. He's like, that's great, but I'd like to talk more about Jenna. Um, yeah. And really, in this episode, Jenna has kind of inspired Arya into, like, really playing with keeps for keeps here. You know, like, yeah. Arya's like, I didn't like your innuendo conversation, so I'm setting up, like, the perfect dinner for my boyfriend when he gets home, you know. Yeah. Um, he describes Jenna's story as raw. Mm-hmm. Which he said raw, which he says is a surprising coming from someone who's so guarded. Mm-hmm. And you can tell Arya does not want to hear about the fucking Jenna thing <laughs> at all. She's like, let's talk about anything else. Yeah. Um. <laughs> just I, I would I would kill to hear Lucy Hale say cheese ball again. Cheese ball. <laughs> um. Welcome home, honey. Yeah. So. This is like a Friday night. So, on Saturday morning, Arya and Emily... It's an interesting short scene here with Arya and Emily. They're essentially just hanging out at Emily's house, reading fashion magazines. Reading, like, boot aficionados magazines. And, and like, I think it starts out with Arya as, like, she holds up a, you know, picture to Jenna from... Or, not Jenna, Emily from the magazine. She's like, we like? And then Emily's like, yes, we like. You know, like, I like that they... we need. Yeah. I like that they put in scenes like this of them, like, just being the teenage girls that they are. Like, it's not 100% like soap opera, mystery, killer drama, you know, like, right. The, and the scenes all feel really genuine. Like, this is what these girls would probably be doing on a Saturday morning, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Emily points out to Arya that, you know, typically on Saturdays, you've got them reserved for like hanging out and watching cartoons of Ezra, which is such a <laughs> mature thing to do if you're yeah. an older boyfriend. It's and a mature Arya- thing to do because you're, you're so mature and precocious that you can ironically watch cartoons with your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Arya Even though you're, you're at an age where you might actually just watch those cartoons. Arya can play the 16 year old girl because she's obviously so above it. Yeah. Um, so Arya admits that yes, she has been avoiding Ezra because he keeps asking questions about Jenna. And uh, uh, Emily says, so what do you say? And Ari <laughs> responds, I lie over and over again. <laughs> Which is such like a the whole show. Yeah. yeah, it's a great meta statement. So Emily suggests to Ari that she should tell Ezra the truth. She doesn't know, even though they had, the four of them had promised to not talk about the Jenna thing. I like that Arya respects that. Like, they've got like the, like the sister code never to talk about Jenna thing. And Arya hasn't broken that even to Ezra. Um, but Emily essentially funny because I think to you and I, a few episodes ago, Arya's, uh, the sense of betrayal she felt. Like yeah. Seriously. Was so ludicrous. <laughs> but yeah, here, yeah. Emily's basically getting permission from Emily. 
Yeah. Interesting that Emily is the one who gives her permission. Yeah. You know. So, uh, the next scene, uh, time undeterminate. Arya goes to visit Ezra. She spills about the Jenna thing. Well, she's he's been worried about her because she's been trying to he's been trying to contact her and he he feels like she's been avoiding him. She's like, "Why have been avoiding you?" And then she says, and I don't know why this fascinates me. I guess because I'm so obsessed with just the hows and whys of Arya, but that she's been walking around his block for the past two hours (laughs) trying to talk herself out of what she's about to tell him. As we've established, Arya has a dissociative order. She probably goes into a fugue state and she thinks it's been two hours of walking around this block. She's, she's been off being A the whole time. You yeah. Know? I would, I would love that. I would love that. I just, I'm just trying to, cause I, like, she, she was that. off being I'm, Hannah, you know? I'm literally, yeah, really. I'm literally imagining like Arya walking around the block <laughs> two hours talking. Well, so she, she's setting this up here. Like, I've got something I have to tell you. I, I'm worried that you won't look at me the same way anymore once I tell to you, but I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm crying here. What is Ezra thinking right now? Yeah. He's thinking, holy shit, what kind of crazy ass secret is this chick about to, to like land on me? Like, could be anything, you know? Yeah, any, what could come out of her mouth next could be literally anything. And then when we see him next and he's just kind of comforting her and holding her head, he's probably thinking, well, that was a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. So your friend Allie blinded Jenna thing. Eh. You know. Yeah. And Arya. Arya makes it all about her, of course. It's it's not really about Jenna, it's about her and, and thank you for looking at me tonight the same way you did yesterday, you know. Yeah. And it's funny just that thinking, she says that, I have such a boner right now. Yeah. She says that night is the one thing in her life that she wishes she could change. The only not thing. her parents, you know, separation. Or not else. Allie getting killed. No, no, not Allie getting killed. Just that Jenna got blind. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> oh, Arya. Arya doesn't like to get her hands dirty. She doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then there's speaking of Arya, there's Hannah. <laughs> um, so Hannah at the start of this episode is still sneaking around, Caleb, sneaking Caleb around the house, and she's loving it at this point. Yeah, she's she's quasi like momming him you know she's taking care of him she's making breakfast she's digging it like you can tell that she's thrilled to uh have this sort of interaction like she she likes to adopt uh you know wayward side rules yeah um so like at one point there's uh, it's like ashley's going upstairs to take a shower and so she's, uh, once she's up the stairs like hannah brings caleb out of the basement and there's like the start of like some hanky panky in the kitchen she's making him breakfast and then Ashley returns. Caleb has to hide, and Ashley is onto her shit. She says, "I just fell into the toilet because the the seat was up." Yeah, that's twice this week. Because <laughs> as we all know, guys always leave the toilet seat up. I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, and Benji's being very vague, where I will be blatant. The toilet seat was up because Caleb has a dick. Yeah. <laughs> And so, yeah, Ashley senses that something was is, is amiss. And Ashley's, because, Ashley is on to Hannah's shit, and she knows when Hannah is lying. Yeah, yeah. And so Caleb's, Ashley knows that Caleb's been around. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know the full details. And Ashley wants to point out that she knows guys like Caleb. You know what I mean. Bad boys. Mm-hmm. Bad boys. Uh, Hannah says, we don't know Caleb. Yeah, so... Eventually, Ashley does leave. Caleb comes back, and Ashley's or Hannah's like, "Well, you gotta, you gotta get out of here for real now." So, ha- Caleb starts to leave. Then he comes back, and Caleb's like, 
oh, I forgot something. And Hannah's like, what? And then he kisses her so hard <laughs> that she's wet. Literally? Yeah, I think literally. Because after he finally does leave, Hannah's like just kind of like, <sighs> like she's thinking to herself, finally, a straight boy. Yeah. And then in case you've forgotten, she did just start like, you know, got with him at the end of the last episode. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but then the, the next time we see him, they're Ashley's at work and they're kind of walking in the door, making out as they make their way to the kitchen. But then, surprise, Ashley came home from work early because Ashley's no fool, you know? No. And she's like, yeah. I know, and I found Caleb's shit. Your ass is out of here. You know, hit the bricks, buddy. Um, Ashley's upset that Hannah lied. She's she's most upset that Hannah was lying to her. And I just gotta say, <laughs> Hannah has the strangest storylines because do you remember like literally when this show started, it was all about like Ashley having to fuck the cop that arrested Hannah for shoplifting, mm-hmm. and then Hannah had to eat a whole bunch of cupcakes in public for money, and now it says she has a homeless boyfriend. The next line of my notes, and I did not realize the irony at the time, was just, Hannah pitches a tent. <laughs> <laughs> so, because Caleb had to hit the bricks, Hannah, like, followed him out, and uh, apparently they're camping in the woods. That's where Caleb's going to be staying the night. Um, and it's revealed that Hannah has, like, secretly awesome outdoor skills, because she had to go to fat camp so much when she was younger. Five summers. Five summers. So, but I, I like that she has those skills. It's nice that the girls have like these hidden skills, you know. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. not like a, a helpless, like que- you know, squeamish, outdoorsy type. So yeah, Hannah and Caleb start trading secrets so they'll get to know each other better because they're at that point in the relationship. That point in the relationship where you've been together for two days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she reveals to him that her nickname was Hefty Hannah, and he's just so blown away that she would reveal that to him. So he starts telling her that he never met his father. His mother dropped him off at his aunt's when he was five, took off, never came back. When he was 10, he got a birthday card from her that was postmarked from Arizona. And that's the last place he knew where she was. That's why he wants to go to Arizona is to look for his mom. So he tells her that sad story. So Hannah's response is that they they start instantly making out. Mm -hmm. And then they end up in his tent and Caleb is shirtless. And she's like caressing his chest. She asks uh, he asks her if she's ready, basically, to lose her virginity. And she <laughs> says that she is. Been ready for months. Yeah. So then she asks if he has protection. And he's like, yes. <laughs> I wonder if that line was just, like, thrown in there for, like, a, like be responsible girls, you know, who are watching the show. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, hey, at least Hannah's heterosexual, right? ABC mm-hmm. family viewers. Um, so then they cut outside the tent and they do the full on like silhouette of the two lovers as mm-hmm. Caleb lays her back and then they turn the light out. So Hannah finally gets to punch that V card. I'm sure yeah. she's very happy. And it wasn't with a, a gay gentleman like her last boyfriend, Sean. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you just assume it was a better experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're trying to make you think that, uh, Caleb knows what he's doing. Well, he's got the, uh, like the longish hair, you know. Yeah. So he's bad boy. Although, I wouldn't be surprised if this is Caleb's first time, too. I don't know if they ever really establish it one way or the other. The cyber wolf has at least, he's at least smart enough not to let that on. Yeah. So the next morning, Saturday morning, Hannah comes home and she's like on cloud nine because, you know, yeah. she finally had a dick in her vagina. And, uh, oh, Ashley's be been up all that. night. Ashley's up all night. She's worried. She's pissed off. She's been freaking out. And Hannah's like, deal with it. She's like, yeah, and just came back to like, you know, 
shower and whatnot, and then I'm just gonna leave again. Yeah. And she, so, they, they kind of have a fight. Hannah's basically playing like the charity card here, yeah. you know. Um, and then she kind of throws in Ashley's face that uh, her mom had a a rough past too. We don't know exactly what, but apparently Ashley had some sort of rough past as well, and so that she's being like a, a hypocrite or, or whatnot to you know to throw this guy out. Yeah. So this eventually leads to Ashley inviting Caleb to dinner uh, for Hannah, not for him, she says, and she's going to let him stay there for a short time, but uh, if he hurts Hannah, there there will be blood, basically. Yeah. And he's like, I believe you. So later after dinner, uh, Caleb gives Hannah a kiss goodnight as she heads upstairs. He then goes to say goodnight to Mrs. Marin, to which mm-hmm. she responds with, you can call me Ashley. And there's, like, a brief, like, half second where you're wondering if, like, she's going to seduce him. Yeah. I mean, there's some heat for a moment there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just, like, Laura Layton's, like, natural heat. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then he steps outside to make a phone call, to which he says to somebody, I can't do this anymore. It's over. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. Who is Mm. Caleb talking to? What can't he do anymore? What is over? What is he out of? (laughs) Ooh, uh, juicy. So to, to sum up this plot line for Hannah, I just wrote down: Ashley will tolerate Caleb if it means holding on to Hannah. Like, I think she she wisely knows that, like, if she draws a hard line here, like, it's not going to go well between her and Hannah. So, even right. though she doesn't like Caleb, she'll tolerate it. And this is a problem. this is why this is why Ashley's the best and the worst mom on the show. Yeah, this is a problem that like. Ashley can't quite fuck her way out of it. I mean, she <laughs> yeah. could. She was thinking about it. She's she like, well, here's one way to get rid of Caleb. <laughs> exactly. And granted, this is a way that's always worked in the past. <laughs> uh, and then there's Emily. And then there's Emily. I want to point out, I we were talking a few weeks ago about what the names of uh, Emily's parents are. I don't know if we mentioned it then, but we hear in this episode that her dad's name is Wayne. Oh, Wayne, is it Wayne? Wayne okay. Fields, yeah. He's gay. <laughs> so, Emily. Um, after the opening, she's back in the swim class where she always is. Uh, Paige is there. It's awkward. Uh, apparently, Paige has been swimming at night. but says it's not to avoid Emily, and she doesn't want to talk about it. Would just as soon forget that, uh, th- you know, that kiss ever happened and, you know, keep her mouth shut type of deal. But Emily brings it up, of course, and Paige, okay, Paige is a lesbian, it's clear, but she acts like she's in like a 70s paranoia thriller yeah. and everyone is watching and listening. Yeah. Like she's well, you know, she's a teenager, she's probably raised in a conservative household, so. Well, she's like, she like stops and she just like looks around like, shh, yeah. say it out loud, Emily. Well, it's, it's interesting because Emily could possibly like kind of like be there to talk to Paige about this sort of thing. But there's, like, a romantic aspect of it, you know, where, like, they might be kind of into each other. And so, like, they can't have those conversations, at least not yet, you know. Right. They're not buddies. Mm -hmm. Well, they've gone from enemies to potentially, like, something more romantic. But they they can't have the, like... Friends. Yeah, they they, they don't have the friend relationship where, like, Emily can be there for her as she comes out. Because there's an expectation of, like, who she would be with if she came out. And, you know... And, and, you know, these are ultimately 16-year-old girls with, like, romantic issues that they're, you know, don't really know how to deal with. So, obviously, it's not going to be easy, you know? 
Right, right. But beside the the complicated issues of their sexuality, I just want to point out again that Paige has gone from being the woman who tried to destroy Emily, <laughs> like literally <laughs> tried to kill her, tried to drown her, to yeah. then kissing her, mm-hmm. um, which is you know all altogether hot. Um, so eventually, Hannah get or not sorry, Emily gets a note saying like, "Hey, look, cryptic note, cryptic yeah. note, meet me at this address. Uh, apparently, that's a real place you can go to." A little Easter egg the producers put in. Um, the Hungry Owl Tavern's a real place. Yeah, apparently. So she goes in uh, some some like you know lesbian bar outside of town. No, or no, some... no. It's not even a lesbian bar because there's a lot of dudes there. It's like a. It's like, it's like a, a country western it's a pro- bar. It's like a progressive country western bar. The kind of yeah. progressive bar where you could sing lesbian karaoke and no one would, you know, get up and, and your shit about it. And it's karaoke night. Yeah. I just want to point out, like, Paige, like, suddenly has, like, good looking hair. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you know Paige considers it a date because, like, it's like, oh, you actually look really good. You know? Like, you fix those horrible bangs you had. You look like a pretty attractive woman now. Well, not that she really cares about my opinion, but she looks better. Yeah, I wouldn't say attractive one; I'd say better. But yeah, so Paige and, and Emily have a chit chat in their booth, and Paige mentions to Emily that the first time she saw Emily with Maya, that's when she realized that she was gay too. <laughs> and so Emily admits that she was in love with Allison, but Allison didn't feel the same. Interesting Paige, that she uh, she lets Paige in on that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Paige says, well, I didn't know Allison well, but she seemed like a very dynamic person. <laughs> um, dynamic. And then Paige, yeah, yeah. And then Paige surmises that Emily just really likes ballsy women, mm-hmm. which is which is half right. Emily likes crazy women. <laughs> Emily likes them broads nuts. Mm. So Paige gets up and to do some karaoke, singing a pink song, kind of forces Emily on stage, does the whole like, uh, hey, let's get my friend up here. Everybody convince her. You know. terribly singing. Yeah, you can tell that like uh, Emily doesn't like Emily's barely singing along. Like, like Paige is really into that pink song and Emily's kind of like, no, 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 no. And also. It's it's gotta be painfully apparent to everyone in this bar that these two girls are ten years younger <laughs> yeah, seriously. than everyone else in this bar, <laughs> like literally ten years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sing the chorus together, and afterwards in the parking lot, Paige and Emily kiss because, of course, there's a lot of kissing in this episode. Ladies yeah. all have some so, some romance that happened in this episode. Yeah. yeah, they make out a little. Uh, the next day, Paige invites Emily to go on a picnic. And it's a nice picnic and everything's fine. And then Paige is like, yeah, we should keep doing this, you know, out here where no one can see us. And yeah. basically, like, Paige wants to get together, but keep it in the closet. And Emily is like, uh, I already escaped the closet once. I'm not going back in. You know, I don't want a relationship like that. So yeah. she's essentially just dumps Paige's ass in, like, record time. She's like, well, that's cool and we can be friends and all. It's not that I'm not yeah. into you, but well, so yeah, no, we're not, other- we're not doing it your way, you know. It starts off with this very sweet moment where they're on the lesbian picnic, like listening to Passion Pit and like, you know, like holding hands on blankets and stuff. Um, and Emily's talking about what was a Passion Pit concert in the city next week. And Paige can't because she can't risk being seated by people they know. Mm-hmm. And Emily starts like talking about like, you know, she used to really hate herself or be ashamed of herself. And she's not going back to that. And being being of somebody like Paige will make, make her, her feel that way again. Yeah, make her feel that way again. Um, so, but yeah, Emily goes stone cold right to the, 
well, I tell you what, buddy, <laughs> I'm going to be your friend. You yeah. <laughs> Which I, Paige is already crazy. I can only imagine <laughs> what this will lead to. But yeah, so then we don't see Paige again for the rest of the episode. Later on, I'll just leave Emily off with, uh, at one point, Emily gets a text from Spencer, which just says SOS. Yeah, we, we'll mention that later. Let's let's get to Spencer. Spencer <sighs> has so much good stuff in this episode. And, you know, we've we've talked. I don't know how long in this episode so far, but really, this is Spencer's episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, I just the first note I have on uh, my notes for Spencer is just shit's bad when both of Spencer's parents are around. Is this not the first time they've been in the same room together? Possibly. I think I, it is. It's so strange. I think I even mentioned this in the previous episode that we've never seen them together <laughs> at all. And yeah. they're like, Spencer, have a seat. Maybe you should see a shrink. Yeah, yeah. And well, I do like that, that Spencer. Spencer's freaking out through this whole thing. Yeah, well, before they even get to the shrink part, they sit her down and like Spencer thinks like things are okay. She's with mm-hmm. her parents. She's she, Of course she's safe. And the first thing that comes out of them is, you know, Spencer... Melissa saw all this coming. Mm-hmm. And so Spencer's like, what? She's like, ambush. What the fuck? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the mom's like, maybe you should see uh, see someone. And Spencer's like, you mean like a shrink? And they're like, eh. And I like that, like, she, like, you know, she turns, like, to her dad, like, you too, you know, A2, you know? Yeah. Um, I really That's actually. Nathan Drake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really love this scene. Actually, I, I think Troy and Belsaria does a great job. Like she's she's basically crying. She says, "I feel scared every day that he's here. Please, there's nothing wrong with me." Like well, no, she's no. she's in a like full anxiety panic about having to live with Ian. She 100% believes that he's dangerous, and she's being forced to live with him every day. Yeah. You know. But like they set up perfectly. The dad is like the mom put it on harsh. The dad is like, "Look, we're just saying you should have somebody you can talk about your feelings with." Mm-hmm. To which Spencer says, "I feel scared. I feel scared every day that he's here." You know, and, and it's it is really like, Melissa. yeah, it's it's you know heartbreaking because they they're not hearing her at all. You know, like she's basically telling him flat out, like, "I'm terrified. Like every day of my life, I'm terrified." And they are not hearing it. Uh, and then Ian walks in, just being a magnanimous motherfucker, you know. And it's like, I don't blame you, Spencer. I don't understand why you think this, but you know. And Melissa's like, yeah, I hope you can get the help you need. Yeah, Melissa's like, fuck you, basically. <laughs> Ian is magnanimous. Melissa's pissed. Melissa's like, why can't you just let me be happy? And Spencer's like, this is not about you. <laughs> And Spencer wishes that Ian had never come back. She's like, why did you come back? You'd got away with it. Why are you back? I don't understand why you're doing this. You know, everyone is against Spencer. Everyone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Hannah, you know, Melissa and Ian bounce, you know, Ian's like, well, I think I'm causing a problem here. So I'm going to go, but Spencer, call me, you know, um, Spencer's like, I know what this must look like. And her mom says, no, I don't think you do. You know, Ooh, that's harsh. Yeah. yeah. That's Spencer, harsh. I, I think at this point still doesn't realize that suspicion has turned her way. The spotlight is on her right now. Yeah. Spencer's not like she knows it's bad, but I don't think she quite grasps just how bad I, it is. I think she's so frustrated that like a the that a got one over on her with the trophy that hurts her case against Ian. 
and B, that no one will believe her. She doesn't realize that, like, she is in crosshairs right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. And she has no credibility, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, picking up my pun for a moment ago, speaking of Toby and Spencer, we've gone from BAD, whatever that meant, to mm-hmm. 214. They've gone to that same hotel because uh, Toby, and I want to talk about this to you in the after dark, actually, but okay. so Toby's parents are gone. They're out of town. Somewhere. He doesn't want to stay in the same house with Jenna thing. Because Jenna- he can't handle the fights of her anymore. He's Jenna thing's very suspicious that she that he took his uh or he, he took her phone, even though she can't prove it. Suspicions enough with Jenna, you know. Yeah. yeah so he's kind of saying. So he's gonna. It. I mean, is he getting the hotel himself, or is Spencer putting him up in one? It's not totally clear. But she's helping him out, checking into this motel mm-hmm. to like lay low for a while while Jenna mm-hmm. thing's on a rampage. And the parents are away. Uh. And he talks about, you know, his his precarious home life. And mm-hmm. she makes the mention, because seemingly he doesn't know the full story yet, but he doesn't know what's going on for exactly. But she just says, the House of Hastings isn't exactly the safest place to land right now. <laughs> um, but so Toby and Spencer have agreed to try to help each other. So Toby goes off to check himself into a hotel room. Spencer's just there in the parking lot. It's it's a full on motel. I mean, it's, it's the it's kind of motel where where the parking lot's like right next to the downstairs rooms. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know. So Spencer's that. about to leave when she starts hearing this creepy music playing. Creepy flute flute music. Yeah, she goes directly to the room where it's where this, it's coming from. This is why I love Spencer. She she goes directly there and knocks on the door. She doesn't she doesn't like get scared. She doesn't skulk around. She just goes straight there and then starts peeking in the window and knocking. You know. Well, she she knocks. The music stops. Then she peeks inside the room, sees nobody inside, but sees that bag from Newfields. Which the she bag saw. that Ian gave Jenna thing. Exactly. He had in her living room, then he gave the Jenna thing. And then, and only then, does she actually look at the door <laughs> of the, that she just knocked on a moment earlier and sees that this is room 214. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that Spencer is the most wonderful detective on the show. And yet, but also, that's the first she, thing I would have noticed. I mean, she's like once more into the breach. Like, you, you don't hold Spencer back. You know, she's like a pit bull. Right. So... Somebody then uh, refers to Spencer and her problems. And I love that Spencer clarifies that she's not nuts, you guys. She's unstable. <laughs> she's unstable. Um, and then she spies Garrett walking the halls of the school. At the school, yeah. Later on, they're at school. Officer Garrett Reynolds is walking around. I love that she doesn't question why he's there. She, she just sees him and like makes a beeline. And the other liars are like, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he asks her again, she doesn't ask him why he's there. She just asks him for, you know, help or an opinion or whatever on this whole thing. And he asks her, why would Ian even want Allison dead? And she says it's because Allison was going to tell Melissa about their affair. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Garrett, he seems surprised by this news, maybe more surprised than just like your typical cop would be like, I don't know. What did you think about that? Cause I, I thought he had kind of a weird look on his face here. He's like, huh? You know, like, yeah, uh, like like as though some dots just connected for him. It's very tricky because I think, and I'm just guessing, and I'm in a tight place here, speaking as someone who's podcasting about a show from the first season, as also seen later mm-hmm. says. But I think you're supposed to surmise that Garrett is roughly the same age as Ian and Melissa. Yeah, seems like it. So you would think that he has prior knowledge of, to, of people in his age group. To me, with the expression 
it seemed to indicate that he was connecting his own dots about Melissa and Allison and Ian. Then, which that maybe he has some some of his own knowledge about them. No, let's be honest though. Is that really the first reaction you had the first time you watched this episode? We can get back to the first time I watched this episode later. I actually. I'm just saying it's. I, go on. Sorry. Tangent. I went and listened to the the Pre Little Liars episode of the Time Trial Murder Mystery okay. uh, recently. Um, that took place about a third of the way through season two. So when we catch up to that point in these podcasts, I'll I'll just chime in with like what I thought was going on at that point. I don't want to like get ahead or behind of myself, but I had some interesting things to say that I'd forgotten about. Okay, I just, I just wanted to point out for, and like I said, for listeners of this, if you're following along, I don't know if you're actually following along with the episode, like watching them and then listening to us, that'd be fascinating. But like, it's tough here because I just want to point out from the person who's watching this for the first time, this is the first episode of Garrett Reynolds. Yeah, with, so it's, without it's giving anything away, he's in more than just this episode. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like it's like we don't quite know what to read from his reaction mm-hmm. of of this news from Spencer, or this 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 opinion from Spencer. Um, so anyway, so then cut back to the hotel room. It's after school. Spencer's back there with with Toby, and, and she knows how to party. She's, she's got brought all kinds of stuff for Toby to do: Scrabble and some Mad Libs. And what was the magazine article she hands him? I don't remember. I didn't write it. I just know that she also brought some some like some sort of energy drink that Toby like grabs from her. He's like, "You don't need any more of that." Yeah, she is. You're bouncing off the walls already. And she's downloaded an app on her phone that turns her phone into a listening device, so they can listen through the wall. She's in like pure like manic mode right now. It's wonderful. Uh, it's adorable. They hear the flute music again, I think. Or is it they hear Spencer someone leaving? has found an amazing loophole in the whole getting into a hotel room that's not your scenario. <laughs> it's called bribing the maid. The The way she bribes the maid is adorable. Like, first, they're like, uh, hey, c- can we get into this room? And the maid's like, is that your room? And Toby's like, well, no. And the maid's like, well, then, no, you can't get in there. And Spencer, you know, pulls out a 20. And she's like, what if he had said yes? <laughs> exactly can we they, operate under the assumption that the answer to his question was yes yeah exactly uh, so they get into the room uh, they they look around they find not, not they much find anything. Jenna's glasses and they, they find that bag but the there's nothing bag, in the yeah. bag yeah they find it in the closet yeah it's empty so they go back to to their room they're playing Scrabble and Spencer plays Glycisaraldehyde as her word, getting this like massive score. Well, she's seemingly just kind of hanging out. Doesn't feel like going home. Maybe staying the night, you know. <laughs> yeah, she plays like glyceraldehyde uh, for a total of ninety something points. Um, that's actually not possible in Scrabble no, to play that yeah, word. It's, actually, I, it's, it's, actually it's really just a, a joke to show the kind of word she would play, you know. Because um, yeah, then Toby then plays goofball. He plays goofball. He's like, thanks. I need the G, and he yeah. he gets and like. Triple, triple word, you know, triple letter, you know, he, he, uh, seven letter bonus, like he, he gets a hundred, you know, so. Hundred four, yeah. Even though Spencer is the, the genius, he still, uh, outmaneuvers her in Scrabble and. Spencer does not like being challenged in Scrabble. (laughs) No, she does not. (laughs) She really doesn't. Um, so then this is where for a moment the show completely breaks with reality and becomes some kind of. I don't even know what you'd call this because 
Spencer's wearing like a like an outfit, like she's wearing a Spencer outfit, like a blazer, and there's like a mm. tie involved. And he's like, that doesn't look comfortable at all. And she looks very comfortable. She's like, that doesn't look comfortable at all. He, he talks he, her into some PJs. He pulls out his jammies. Well, she she brought the jammies for him. She's like, I brought okay. you some some jammies. It's like a like a just a, a shirt and some sweats, you know. Because we're grown ass men, I'm going to say one more time. Okay, jammies, jammies. Um, yeah. So he makes a joke of like, you don't look comfortable and all of that. And he pulls out the jammies and he's like, "What would you like? The tops or the bottoms?" LOL. Just kidding with my my dry Toby humor. Mm-hmm. He then, so the first he, time Toby's ever cracked a joke, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, with his creepy ass face. So I, that's the first goes, time he's ever smiled. I think. Yeah, he goes into the broken accordion door to bathroom. Yeah, yeah, it's got the uh, like the. Was those French doors, I guess? Is there anywhere in America that has like those like seventies accordion doors? <laughs> this everywhere? motel does. And then we, we get the, the classic like voyeur shot, only it's Spencer, because of course it is. She's spying That's on Toby can, changing yeah. with her hungry Spencer eyes. And Toby is ridiculously cut. Suddenly yeah, like suddenly Toby has like these super cut abs. Like I imagine it's like they cast this actor and he's you know, he's in shape, but not, you know, he's pretty average. Uh, looking dude when they cast him and they're like by the way in like three months you're gonna need a you're gonna have a shirtless scene just fyi uh because you're gonna be you know with spencer in hotel and so that guy just like he's been doing like two thousand crunches a day ever since yeah. and that's how i imagine here's, that went down here's the the tragedy of the show and it's the tragedy the one tragedy of the way we record our podcast or we lay out our podcast here is that this scene is before hannah loses her v-card yeah and like poor caleb is not cut Caleb's not like you know he doesn't have like an ounce of fat on him. Yeah. He's a pretty doughy. Boy, he doesn't have like the, the crazy abs. Yeah, the crazy abs. Yeah, I mean this show. And first of all, these two scenes are all about like the shirtless men mm-hmm. on the women watch. Well, especially Spencer's scene. Spencer's totally doing like it's in every other thing you see. It's the guy doing this, you know? Right, um, right, right. The but guy, I mean, like, the guy watching the girl change. But instead, it's scene, Spencer. The scene in the tent of Hannah and Caleb, like. Caleb's already got his shirt off and that scene starts mm-hmm. and Hannah's still fully clothed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, a, it's the beauty of this show. But anyway, so yeah, the, eventually they're going to bed. Um, well, like Hannah, or I'm sorry, Spencer goes in to change. Seemingly she was in there for like two hours because when she comes out, and who knows what she's doing in there for two hours, but she comes out and uh, she's wearing just like it's the, the, the PJ top. It's like a really long shirt that like goes down low enough to like cover herself up on bot on the bottom. Well, it covers um, her ass. There's I, still a lot of leg. I'm there. sure she's not going commando, but uh, no, no. But there's a lot of leg. Toby's got just the sweats on, and he's falling asleep face face up on the bed. He's like completely passed out, showing off his abs like just perfectly in like the you know the twilight coming in through the window. Um, and so Spencer, she just kind of. You know, very carefully and quietly, you know, creeps onto the bed and scoots her ass right up next to his. You know, yeah. I, I really like the uh, the way that the show allows Spencer and and all the girls to kind of do their own thing with the guys. They're it's not like they're just the pursued, you know. But I mean, with with these two scenes, with the Hannah and Spencer scene, it's fascinating. because there's a lot of like cliched tropes <laughs> of these types of things, of these type of romantic situations you know again there's literally the silhouette of caleb laying hannah back before mm-hmm. he like make love to makes love to her mm-hmm. or this we're this whatever this dynamic between like toby and spencer is there's no reason at all that spencer needs to put on the tops like 
she would look just comfortable, just fine. She could have slept just fine in the outfit she was wearing. But there's a certain, like, suspension disbelief. She's playing the game. Because we've already established, yeah. though, that Spencer is... There's something more to her and her, her and Toby's relationship. But, uh, you know, I think if Spencer wasn't into Toby at all, she would not have changed into that uh, nightshirt. She wouldn't even still been there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But there's a reason uh, she does, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot happening here, like, re-gender roles. Because mm-hmm. in the morning... When I just have written up, down. Spencer is big spoon. Yeah, she's she's spooning Toby. Yeah, and, and it's it's one of those things where in a different show it would be the guy who falls asleep next to the girl and then wakes up spooning her. You know, like it's like that's not this show. This is the show where Spencer is big spoon. You know, when it's all the tropes of the masculine role, because you always hear these storylines with the guys about. The woman's fallen asleep and his arm is trapped. Mm-hmm, and yeah. he's trying to pull his arm out without waking her up. That's Spencer. She's Spencer trying to get her to arm that. free without waking Toby up. But as soon as she does, he wakes up. He looks up at her, asks her if she's been up all night. She says, well, you know, no. And, but her hair looks fantastic. Yeah, of course it does. Um, I just want to point out the body language from her is great in the scene the next morning. Like, she's suddenly kind of aware that she's got nothing but like a, a long shirt on and she's, she's doing that thing where she's hunched over and is kind of pulling the shirt down a little. Like, yeah. it's, to me, it's like, if you just imagine that that douche Alex didn't exist and like his plotline never happened, it makes perfect sense, you know, like, like this yeah. is how Spencer should be re- reacting to like a romantic interest for the first time. She's very nervous and unsure of herself, but, but willing to kind of, uh, you know, see where it leads. And, but it's very, very kind of guarded about it. Like this is, this is the Spencer we would expect to see. She's the one who's kind of the least experienced, uh, you know, relationship wise. And it, it shows. Well, but thanks to Alex though. It, it's very complicated situation because these are they make an issue of the show, so therefore it's an issue that I would presume, based on what we have seen, what we can read from the show total, nineteen episodes in, is mm-hmm. that prior to this episode, Emily and Spencer have both lost their virginity. Would be my guess. Spencer? No. Well, because of the whole Alex situation. No, she never did, Alex. But we don't know. I would think the. You have to like, even though it made no sense. No, you're 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 speaking nonsense. We we know that this is a show where they're going to let you know explicitly whether or not one of these girls punches her V card. No, yeah, but this is the episode that would tell you that because of the Hannah situation. I think not just because of the whole Sean issue and and all that, but because they make a big deal in this episode of Hannah losing her virginity. But they also made a big deal with Emily as well. But at the same time, we have no idea what's going on of Arya and Ezra. I, I think if you've been watching from the beginning, you're going to assume that the only people at the beginning of this episode who've lost their virginity is Emily, and then Hannah does. Right. Well, I, that's I, I, I don't think you're supposed to assume that like Spencer was like nailing that douche Alex off screen somewhere. I don't know, but like, again, there was like a certain level of sexual confidence. There's like no, there's just like that character. one bad scene where she seemed out of character. Otherwise she she still seemed like a kind of inexperienced and just kind of like the idea of having a boyfriend type of thing, you know. Perhaps. But you're right though. She does act as Spencer should probably act in this scene with Toby. Um But then so, they uh yeah, they hear the sad flute starts playing. They hear the sad flute, they run next door and they find uh, the CD player playing the sad flute music, 
And then the there's a that Newfields bag. Is it Newfields? I think it's Newfields, yeah. Yeah. It's got a bunch of ice in it from the ice machine and well, a note. No, from- first Toby finds the bag. Toby finds the bag. Spencer finds the CD player, and Toby says, "You're getting colder." And Spencer says, "What?" So she looks he, in the bag, bunch of ice with a note from A that says, "You're getting colder, A." And Toby, Toby says, says "Who's, who's A? A?" And Spencer's like, "Hell if I know." Mm. Yeah, lies miserably. <laughs> I mean, Toby had to pick up on how pathetically she was lying. But uh, so later on. Toby says they're having their goodbyes in the parking lot, and, and he's telling her that she can always come back to the hotel room that night if she, things are getting rough at home, and that he enjoyed, you know, kicking her ass at Scrabble. He says it was it was really fun to kick your ass at Scrabble, and yeah. I love the out. the well, no, no, no. The, before they make out, Spencer gets this look on his face, on her face, where it it's like she's about to like just launch into a tirade of how he did not, in fact, kick her ass. You know, like she. Yeah. She like the armor is up again, you know, and she's she's got to look like she's about to go on attack mode, and so he just kind of like leans in and like kisses her, and she's like, "Oh, well, I guess I can't do anything while this is happening," and I'm kind of enjoying <laughs> it. Uh, and then, uh, all right, well, that was nice and all, and then as he leaves, by the way, no, you didn't kick my ass. It was close. She's like, yeah. it was not a complete ass kicking. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Spencer comes home to find there's a police car in the driveway. She walks inside, asks if the police have discovered that Ian was at Hilton Head of Allison. And there's Melissa, who says no. Melissa, who's like crying, yeah. She says Very no, that she was the one in Hilton Head, that she was pregnant that summer. Ian lied for her because they went there to get her an abortion, but she lost the baby before they got to the doctor. Which as, is as why, always happens on TV shows, yeah. Exactly. Which yeah, because nobody gets actually an abortion, that's against the rules. You can lose the baby beforehand and you're you know, you're perfect. Which is why the current devil fetus inside of her and her gut is so important to her. Mm. And Spencer is absolutely, utterly dumbfounded by this relation, revelation. And before she can recover, the parents walk in and are like, hey, Spencer, there's some cops here to see you. They know you lied to them about seeing Ian. Dun, 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 dun. Well, but I don't want to put it from a logistics of the show. Like, this is that same Spencer Hastings house like set that we've seen the entire show. Mm-hmm. There's like a kitchen, a living room, the stairs that we always see Spencer coming down in the mm-hmm. creepy moments. Um, and they say the police are waiting for you in the living room. Well, I, I this is like the back of the house, as far as I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking like because we all see the them. What's this whole area of the couches that we've been seeing the girls inhabiting for nineteen like episodes? The, it's like the family room because we've seen them. Whatever the door, like Ren came in through that door at one time. That's like the side or like the back door. Like, like that, that door leads out to the the barn area. What's well, well, there's also like those like there's like French doors or whatever that. Well, the Hastings have like a whole barn. compound, you know. Yeah, yeah, because they're fucking rich. Mm-hmm. So A A has maneuvered Spencer into a state of constant anxiety. And instead of listening to her, everyone's just suspicious of her now. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah. So the police now know that Spencer lied to them, that she was seeing Ian. Remember earlier that Emily and only Emily got a text from Spencer that that we physically saw that said Mm. SOS. Emily and Spencer called the banners. Yeah. Yeah. Outside, outside the Hastings household. Aria, Hannah, and Emily are all outside there watching the cops parked outside. We find out that Spencer SOS texted all the girls. And then they get another text. And it's from A. Of course it's from A. It says, 
Breaking news, bitches. Spencer Hastings, now a person of interest in my death. Hey. And it's it's the way the three of them read it. R.E.S. says, breaking news, bitches. <laughs> Hannah says, Spencer Hastings is now a person of interest. Emily then says, in, in my, my death. death. And then in unison, the <laughs> three say, of them say, A. Hey. Hey. I absolutely love it. Like, it's like a Pavlovian response whenever all of their uh, phones go off at once with the text. Like, I, yeah. I, I, it's a thrill every single time. And, we, and we've talked about this before in the episode. But, yeah, it's the way they know that they can all, like, read piecemeal mm-hmm. parts of A's text, but they all have to come together. I want to point out, like, a. Spencer is being hoist on her own petard here. She put forth the idea that... Uh, Allison, the whole kind of like jealousy triangle between Allison, Melissa, and Ian. But now the cops are like, well, that's interesting because it, it fits with you. You know, if we know that you were into Ian and Allison had a thing with Ian, then suddenly you have a motive to kill Allison. Yeah. Things are not looking good for Spencer Hastings. So let me get the A tag, which is. The A tag is. Uh, while the girls were reading that text and, and feeling all shocked, somewhere nearby there's a camera pointed at them recording the event, and A is just watching that scene and eating some popcorn and enjoying herself. But like, so like that's how A rolls. and rewatching <laughs> over and over again. A's eating popcorn and watching this scene while wearing her gloves. Yeah, while wearing like the A outfit. Yeah, it's it's a juicy, like ridiculous ending. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Can't wait for the next episode. The next this, episode yeah. has one of the great moments of the show in it, so I can't wait for that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, the mm-hmm. next episode, following upon this A tag, the next episode is called Someone to Watch Over Me. <laughs> also, I want to point out, um, we, and it, this isn't really a spoiler, we find out in a much later episode that this the day in this episode is November 6, 2010. Hmm. Which is interesting because Homecoming is like in October. So somewhere between October and now, early November, Hannah broke her leg and healed it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a matter of weeks that like she didn't have enough time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But whatever. You, you can see like the show started on Labor Day and it's essentially like two months later. You just don't want to watch Hannah walking around in crutches yeah. or in a wheelchair all that time, I guess. The island. Yeah, it's it. classic TV logic or whatever the island healed her yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah we will be back uh, tomorrow or whenever you happen to be listening to this talking about s2020 someone to watch over me looking forward to it later